You are listening to the new Japan Daryl Club, and this is our very first episode. My name is Salvatore Payne, and with me is my wife, Teresa J. Beckusen. Teresa, how are you doing? I am doing pretty great. Pretty great. Ter- Thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, Monday morning here. It's very cold in our home. Very cold. We're recording from our living room. It's freezing. Teresa, let me ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. When you got married to me, yeah. and we've been married, what, two and a half years? something like that i'm not keeping track (laughs) uh did you ever expect that you would one day be recording a pro wrestling podcast with me and not just any pro wrestling podcast but a pro wrestling podcast specifically focused on new japan pro wrestling i don't think i could have like predicted this specifically but i'm sitting here and i'm not surprised um because you always have you know your obsessions so this this feels really in line with you know you thank you thank you thank you (laughs) Um, so yeah, this is a new show we're going to do and our plan is just to maybe cover the major events like New Beginning and Wrestle Kingdom and the G1 and all that kind of stuff. Um, but to start, I thought what we do is maybe just cover our personal histories with wrestling Mm -hmm. and then with New Japan. So to kind of give our viewpoints as fans and kind of where we are in relation to the product. I'll start. So with wrestling, I, I grew up watching it. So when I was a kid... Uh, you know, I watched a lot of WWF. You know, I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania in the Northeast, so that's very much prime WWF country. Uh, did not like the WCW. Seemed a little too south for me, a little too southern. Uh, Teresa's laughing as I say that's <laughs> Very biased. Such a I, Yankee. I am such a Yankee. I didn't, I didn't get it, uh, although I loved Ric Flair and Sting. So I was, like, very into them, but didn't really get the rest of it. Liked when the Nasty Boys went down to WCW. That was exciting in the early 90s. But generally... I loved Undertaker, I loved Bret Hart, I loved Shawn Michaels as a kid. Those were my three. Classic. I'm just a little too young to be at the peak Hogan era. That's okay. Like, yeah, it's fine. I saw a lot of the 91, 92 Hogan stuff, or like 93, where he's kind of working heel against Bret Hart at WrestleMania in a way. Um, so Hogan, not not as big of a deal. Love Macho Man. Then I, I kind of dropped out of it probably around age 11 or 12 or 13. And then I came back in for the Attitude Era, Sable. Sable was a big deal in Deborah. Big deals. Yeah, uh, I wonder why. I don't know. And then Stone Cold, uh, The Rock especially, was was my big guy. I love The Rock and Mankind especially. Rock and Sock Connection. Very into that. Um, yeah, you really like to uh, use all their catchphrases to annoy the nuns that taught you. Yeah, I used to get in detention all the time for pretending to be Mr. Sacco uh, in front of nuns uh, when I was growing <laughs> up. So that, that was me in eighth grade. Uh, did that a lot. And then, but then I just kind of dropped out of wrestling, probably around WrestleMania 2000 in high school. And I kind of didn't come back to it until after, no, it was right before we got married. And if you recall, we were out Mm -hmm. drinking for March Madness uh, with our friend Jessica. And I was on Twitter live tweeting the games uh, because I'm the worst human in the world. And then I saw that WrestleMania was happening. This is the one where Seth Rollins cashed in um, during the Roman Brock Lesnar main event. And I just thought, like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I bought WrestleMania? And I thought it was like in the old days where you bought the pay-per-view once and then you were done. And I was drunk, so I, abs- I accidentally bought the network. And then we got home, and we didn't turn it on immediately. And I turned it on eventually. And it was almost, uh, the whole card was almost over. And I just saw Triple H come out and Sting, and then the NWO, and then D-Generation X. And I just couldn't believe it was all the old wrestlers from the 90s. 
and that kind of brought me in and I've kind of increasingly watched more and more and more and more of the product. We've, we've been to Monday Night Raw, we've been to Tables, Ladders and Chairs. So that's kind of how we got, we go to a lot of local promotions and then that kind of thing, this pro wrestling battleground at Webski's. So that's kind of my basic history with wrestling and then we'll kind of talk about NJPW in a bit. But Teresa, why don't you tell us how you grew up on wrestling and how much you loved it? Well, I can say that once I learned, and this was just a couple years ago when you got back into wrestling, once I learned that um, the WWF was responsible for the phrase suck it, I got mad all over again <laughs> because I can remember being a kid and just like hearing like other adolescent boys just saying suck it and crotch chopping. I'm like, this is the, the fucking worst. Um, like they need to be more entitled. Uh, but yeah, I know so much more about wrestling now than I ever, ever thought I would. Um, you're welcome. (laughs) It's like one of the weirdest things I think I've ever encountered. Um, I grew up doing theater. I majored in it in college. So I find, I find professional wrestling really fascinating from that theatrical standpoint because it combines, I mean, everyone knows this. It combines just so many theatrical trends. It feels like, uh, it's a soap opera. It's improv. It's super physical. It at times feels just like a circus where there's just always something going on. There are often acrobatics, especially if you're watching NJPW, and to a lesser extent, I guess, the cruiserweight division. Um, we'll talk about that another time. And, and honestly, sometimes there are even Brechtian elements. So I'm, I, am also, <laughs> I am also the worst human in the world because I'm talking about Brecht uh, in relationship to professional wrestling. Um, yeah, but other than that, I did not grow up watching it. It was not my thing. I think it was really heavily marketed more to young boys and is still really catering a lot to men probably in their 30s who grew up watching it. Uh, I think... I.e. me. Yes, exactly. And um, I I think that in relation to the WWE, I think they're realizing like, oh, if we ignore half the population, i.e. females, like that's, that's pretty dumb. So I think they're trying to recalibrate and, you know, they are beefing up their women's roster, which I appreciate, but you know, some of it's lip service. Well, let's talk about NJPW. Yes. Um, so I would say the, the way I got in was probably the way a lot of new fans got in. And I would say like, we're very much new fans definitely, and that's going to be definitely. the perspective of the show is, is the viewpoint of kind of new NJPW fans, um, learning about the product, learning about the storylines. I would say NJPW is something I didn't know about at all when I was a kid um, following wrestling at all. I didn't even know it existed. Um, so I found about it after the buzz on the Okada Omega Wrestle Kingdom 11 main event. Um, everybody was talking about it. Um, and I was really excited to watch the whole event. So I remember there was um, one weekend last January. It was right after the event where you had a book club. And I decided, like, I'm just going to sit here and watch the whole event. And I was just blown away mm-hmm. by the match quality. Um, the over-the-top, the, the the costumes, everything seemed so refreshing and so new to me. And so unlike how stale WWE often is. We were yeah. like, when you watch Monday Night Raw... I feel like I've seen that episode of Raw a thousand times. Yes. It's like, oh, Sheamus is fighting Seth Rollins, which I feel like has happened every week for <laughs> yeah. years. Um, and NJPW, it just feels really special. And I know part of that is because, like, well, I've seen it a lot less. I don't have this 30-year relationship with it in the way that I do at WWE. But I feel like they do a really wonderful job of protecting the characters. There's not a lot of one-on-one matches. Mm-hmm. There's all these multi-man tag matches. Yes. So when somebody really has a feud with someone else and it culminates in a one-on-one match, it really means something in a way that it doesn't 
So then the Omega Okada match, I was just I was just blown away. That sixty minute match, I just yeah. thought was maybe to this day still the best wrestling match I've ever seen in my life. Where I was just glued to the screen. A lot of times wrestling washes over me, and I like that aspect of it. But this didn't have that. So since then, uh, I followed it pretty closely, uh, especially probably after the um, the G one special in Long Beach. That's probably when we really started watching the road to shows and kind of everything. And um, last summer. We both went to Cork and Hall for a Kazuna Roadshow. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that? So uh, I'll continue after a bit, but why don't you talk about like your introduction to NJPW, which yeah. correlates with mine, and then and then our experience at Cork. And... It does correlate because, yeah, the, the Omega Okada match at Wrestle Kingdom 11 is also what got me into NJPW. And... Yeah, it was. It's probably the best match I've ever seen. It was exciting. They were doing moves that I have seen before, but somehow they made look even more special. And Sally, you make fun of me about this all the time, but like they were just doing like a really simple. What is it, like an arm drag? An arm drag, which is a move that happens in like every single match in every single promotion on earth. But every time you see, will you tell? Well, Pete? yeah, like the I don't know. There was something about the way that like Omega and Okada were were executing that move that just felt like. Holy, holy shit, like that looks incredible. And I think that that really speaks to their talent and just the level of execution that, that they can reach because, because they, I don't, they're just that good that they can make the most normal move look incredible. So I think that's something that I just really appreciate about NJPW. Not to say that other promotions don't have that focus on craft. But those two wrestlers specifically just obviously care really deeply and perform at such a high level. And I really respond to that. Yeah, I agree completely. And I would say that, like, for me, Omega, Ibushi, Naito, and Okada are in a league of their own. Yes. Where they're, they're just at the, the top of the world right now in terms of performers. I would say right underneath them would be AJ and Charlotte, AJ Styles mm-hmm. and Charlotte Flair. But they have the handcuffs on where they have to wrestle in that WWF style right. that, that is uh, a little more blasé and kind of has to, you know, they have to go every single night. Right. And I think that to, to, you know, kind of say, like, I think NJPW often feels more special because you're seeing it less. WWE, yeah. you know, they're wrestling almost every night, which I that just boggles my mind. Like, I don't know how anyone can put their body through that. So my head is off to all of them, obviously. But... You know, because you see something every week, twice a week, they're live on TV. And then, what are there, like 50 pay-per-views now per year? So you It's just, close to 24, right? Yeah, you just start to get really familiar with the product. And I, I think that that is kind of what can lead to just, okay, I've seen this before. I'm bored. Uh, it's, it's less exciting than like, ooh, oh, NJPW is doing this event. And it's, it's rarer that, that they do this, so... Yeah, and I would say when we went to Corican is what really kind of uh, turned us into super fans. Um, the experience was so incredible. We were in Japan um, last summer for um, just six days, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to go see the Kazuna Road, to sh- Kazuna Road show. I bought tickets way in advance before they announced the schedule. I was really hoping to see Kenny. Um, he wasn't on the show, but it still just blew my mind. The main event was um, Bushi and Kushida. Mm-hmm. Which isn't like the biggest main event in the world, but it was still just utterly exciting just to see Tiger Mask even and Liger. Takahashi. Takahashi coming out with Daryl, the namesake of our podcast. So amazing. Uh, I bought a Daryl stuffed animal for Teresa for our wedding anniversary. So that's... Best gift ever. We're very pro Daryl, obviously, by the name of the title of the show. 
Uh, we signed Naito, who we both are yes. head over heels for, and Okada and all that. Um, so since then, yeah, we uh, you know I love the G One. That's probably my favorite wrestling thing of the year. It's just like every morning you get this one incredible match that you get to watch. So that's really exciting. Do you want to talk about Wrestle Kingdom twelve? What if I said no? <laughs> I yes. guess yes, great I episode, everybody. We had a we had a blast. Yes, I do. Um, so I just wanted to go through a couple of the matches and uh, things like that. But what I really want to start with, I feel like. So, now, to be fair, we had a party for Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, we had it two days after the actual event because that's when my friends were free. That's when you were free. Mm-hmm. So I just went off the internet for two straight days. We had a lot of beer, um, some bourbon. I um, left to go get pizza at one point, so I missed, I think, the hair match. Which which we rewatched. Yes, we have. <laughs> uh, the, the handsome match is where you walked yeah, out. I, yeah, but um, I have since rewatched that. So handsome. Oh, so handsome. Um our friends Todd and Uxher were over, and then our friend Lucia came by at the end. So what I would say is, like, we were drinking a bit through it, so that might have clouded some of our judgment, although I've tried to go back and watch most of the matches. But I still feel that Naito um, Okada was a bit of a disappointment. It was a bit of a letdown. I was so surprised by that. And I think, I wonder, I think, I think Omega Jericho kind of overshadowed it in some cases, because... They're both just such terrific wrestlers, but I was really kind of expecting Naito and Okada to build on that momentum from that match. And it it just, it started off slow, which is fine, because I've noticed in some NJPW matches, the pacing is kind of like, we're going to start really slow, and then it slowly builds in intensity throughout the match, and I think that's a really great way to structure something. But it just sort of never really got off the ground for me, and the moment Okada hit him with the Rainmaker... I was like, oh, now we're really, like, it's going to, like, really explode now. And then it was over. And then there were, like, no shenanigans after that. And I was really surprised. But you were, like, deflated. I don't think I've ever seen you that disappointed in your whole life. Well, I had built it up for so long. I had been imagining the match. All night I'd been talking about this match. During the Jericho Omega match, which I thought was incredible and by far the match of the night, uh, as soon as it ended, I remember telling my friend Todd, like, oh, if you like that, which he did. He was very impressed by that, and Todd's not really that big of a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, like, you're not even going to believe what you're about to see. And it just felt like such kind of a drop-off. Um, the intensity wasn't there. I think part of it is Jericho and Omega really wanted to steal the show and, they did. and to prove that they were the main event. And I listened to the Omega Jericho podcast, and Omega was talking about how basically they didn't have any plans for him, how Ghetto, who's the booker at NJPW, didn't, they didn't know who he was going to face. They kind of wanted Ibushi, but, I, but Omega didn't feel like that was um, enough time to really launch into the story that that feud deserves, which that's going to oh be incredible. God. Oh, my God. That needs to be over the IWGP heavyweight belt, Absolutely. I think. Um, but with this Nino match, I really just thought, like, he's white hot, he's so over... Um, the crowd was 100% behind him. The crowd is a sea of Ingobernables hats, the little Naito bears, yeah. scarves, band, like any kind of merch. Like It's just the whole crowd is all for Naito. And I really thought like this was the perfect opportunity to do a double turn. The crowd had already turned on Okada in the buildup to this match. And then at the end, Okada cuts uh, what I, I think from the translation is basically a babyface promo. Um, 
I just thought that was really disappointing because I feel like if you are going to keep the belt on Okada in that instance, the only reason to do it is to turn him into a monster heel. And he would be such a great monster heel. I mean, he just has that look. Yes. The hair, the faces. He always kind of looks... I mean, our, our friend that was over for the party just kind of saw him and was like, oh, that's like that's the heel, right? I mean, he looks like he's just staring disdainfully at the crowd like, ah, oh, you pores. And like... His robe and the necklace, and he's got money, like, flying around him. Like, he's a total, like, monster heel, and he'd be incredible. And yeah, Naito, white hot, perfect baby face. Like, he's really come to the top of the card, and he, he's earned it. Yeah, and, I mean, Okada's Ric Flair. You know, yeah. like, it's the same character, basically. Yes. It's a young, a young, young Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Ric Flair always works better as a heel. Absolutely. Always works better as a heel. And I think Okada would work better in a heel. Was basically working heel against Kenny anyway. And I'm really disappointed to see Naito drop down the card. So we're going to get to New Beginning later. But he's fighting Yoshihashi, which I just... Mm. Okay, I guess. But that's a pretty big drop from the main event at the Tokyo Dome to Yoshihashi. I will say it feels like NJPW does shuffle their guys around a lot. Which I, I kind of have to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways it actually reminds me of the San Antonio Spurs. Um, like, wow. Well, no, I mean, like, right, Pop will rest, like, some of his good guys, especially if it's against a team where he's like, I don't need to tire these guys out. But I feel like NJPW, like, yeah, they know who their stars are, but there are there are events where they're just like, you're not going to be at, the, like, the main event. You're still going to be there, but you're going to fight this guy who's maybe more of a mid-carder. And I don't know if that's a way that they're trying to protect them or just conserve them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it still feels like a demotion. I hate to say that, but like for Naito, it definitely feels that way when you're the main event against Okada and then you're like not main eventing and you don't have the belt. What happened? Yeah. And it's clear that they have big plans for him because he's obviously going to fight, uh, Jericho because they set that up at New Year's Dash. Um, all the, they haven't announced when they're going to fight. The the rumors are they're going to fight in Long Beach at the, um, the strong style evolved show in the main event or I guess the co-main event with whoever Omega ends up facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know though. Like I just, I just feel like that was the time to put the title on him. And if you immediately wanted to shotgun Jericho into the title picture, I think that's fine. Like I know uh, there's no logic to it because Jericho lost his match against Kenny. Why would he get a title shot? But Jericho is, has been around for so long, has the history in JPW. He is Chris Jericho. Yeah, like, he just can go call <laughs> his spots, I think. Like, yeah. I think when you have that kind of legend character, I think that's totally fine. And you kind of see them do that with um, Tanahashi or Suzuki and NJPW. So, so basically, I thought the match overall was a little disappointing. I thought so many matches were better than it on the card. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely Jericho Omega, which exceeded far exceeded all of my expectations because I just love that they like Jericho had room to just be Chris Jericho just you know yelling at the crowd and like he just has the best faces for disdain and I I loved that I love that's what I really like about wrestling the fighting yeah sure fine but when Chris Jericho just gets up there and makes fun of people like I love it well, and what's interesting is, like, I, I was really looking forward to the buildup of that match. And I thought the buildup was great, where yes. Jericho threw the table, all that kind of stuff that happened. I was so unexpected. And I was kind of comparing it to his feud with Kevin Owens yeah. before last WrestleMania in WWE, where the stuff that was really great about that was all of the buildup. Yes. So the Festival of Friendship is probably the best thing the WWE has done since we've started watching again for sure um over the last about four years but their wrestlemania match 
was a little underwhelming. I don't even remember it. It's it was the one where Kevin Owens put his finger out on the on the rope. Oh uh, yeah. Or maybe Jericho did that. I don't even remember because it was totally forgettable. So I thought that like this match will have a great build up with Omega, but in the end it's going to be a bit of a disappointment considering where Omega was athletically on the card last year. And no, that wasn't the case at all. That match was Dave Meltzer rated it five stars, which is kind of ridiculous. But I thought it was like that was a, just an incredible match. And I would even say I thought the four-way between Takahashi, Kushida, uh, Scroll, and Osprey was better. I thought um, I thought you could make a case for Abushi Cody. I know Cody's not so handsome. It was so handsome, but I also know Cody's not on the level that Naito and Okada are. He's not even close. He's I would say he's not, a but he's like, but he he has his own thing going on. He yeah. has his own brand, and I thought he and Abushi really fit really well together. My favorite moment, and I'm sure it's a lot of other people's favorite moments, is, you know, Ibushi accidentally knocks Brandy yeah. over outside the ring. And he, he went over to her prone body. He looked so upset. Like, it was such a visceral reaction that he was giving the crowd. And and then later, when Brandy and Cody, Brandy wakes up, and they just laugh at each other. Like, oh, it was perfect. Just the perfect little, like, heel cherry on top of that matches Sunday. I love Brandy. Um... I love her so much, and I think she brings something to NJPW that no one does. Like, there's basically no women in NJPW, right? Oh, except They're, for the Tokyo Pimp. That's but what like, I was going to say. The Tokyo Pimp, ugh. and um, the, the I forget her name. It's always the same woman I found out, because she has a Twitter, the one with the bunny ears. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Brandy's not doing that, and I think like she brings a really interesting kind of wrinkle to NJPW storytelling. Let me tell you, this is a shoot, not a work right now. Um so Don Callis, you know the heel commentator who loves the, the Bullet Club? You know that guy? Sure. Okay, you would recognize him if you, if you heard his voice. Because he I'm sure. calls yes. every single match, uh, you know, of yeah, the last, yeah. like, eight months or so. Um, so he recently uh, got hired as, like, a creative force at TNA or whatever they're calling it now, Impact. Which <laughs> Anthem presents, TNA presents, Impact Wrestling. Um, Sponsored by Ritz Crackers. Yeah, probably. And, and so far he's doing both. But I imagine that eventually he's going to need to just go to Impact full-time. Brandy should be the kill, the heel commentator. She would be terrific. Yeah, I know that probably can't happen because Cody's not full-time with NJPW, but her commentary at New Year's Dash... She was so great. My favorite comment, they mentioned Cody's new bleach blonde hair. She says, I think he looks rich. Perfect. It's perfect. She has the chops to do it. She's funny. She gets it, obviously. And yeah, I think you're right. Like she just brings another perspective, and that just makes sense too for Cody as a character because he is kind of that invading American, and he is bringing a touch of that WWE style where he has this manager valet coming out with him, and and that's unique for NJPW. So I think it sets him apart in that way. Yeah, that's what I thought was fun about the match, where it was a clash of styles, but in a way that meshed. If that yes, makes sense, it does. Yeah. So I thought you could make a case for that even being better than the main event, which I know is probably sacrilege to to some folks. Um, and then also Bucks Rapongi 3K. That I was think just fun. It, it was great. Uh, there was a lot of crazy spots early on in that match. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, anything the Bucks do, I'm usually into. Generally, their matches I think are really high paced, really athletic. Yeah, really and Show and Yo, like they're right there with them. I think that's what they just have a lot of fun together. And that's the thing that I think really sets NJPW apart from say WWE. Their tag matches because they're really not faithful to like who's the legal man and you know. They don't really care about the rules, so to speak, for a tag match. So you you kind of always have something to look at, even if, you know, the guys who aren't 
tagged in, they're usually off fighting on the floor. They're doing something else, athletic and crazy. So you have just something going on in multiple places, which I think is so exciting. Yeah, yeah, and they do that really well. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad they're not in WWE. Yeah. I'm glad none of these guys are in WWE. I think that's great. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a match I was really disappointed by. Uh, Tanahashi Jay White. Yeah. I don't really get Jay White. I don't, I don't think they get Jay White yet. He's getting the rocket push, and it just seems uh, surprising to me why. Yeah. They, I, I understand that he was a young lion, mm-hmm. and he was a really popular young lion. If that's the case, why bring him back after excursion as this, you know, quote-unquote psychotic heel? Uh, I also, it, it feels like they're basically just doing with him what, what would have happened to Juice Robinson. Do you know? It feels like they were priming Juice Robinson to be that kind of next-level foreigner after Kenny, who was kind mm-hmm. of not in a faction. And then suddenly it's Jay White. I don't understand why Jay White is in chaos. That makes zero sense to me. I'm yeah, I really thought that, I mean, if I can talk about New Year's Dash for a second. Yeah. So, yeah, when Jay White is, you know, and, and Omega are having that conversation, and Kenny wants to invite him into, what, Bullet Club, and, you know, Jay takes the t-shirt, and then he's just like, no, I don't want this. But then he's joining another faction. I kind of thought it would just make more storyline sense if he's like, no, I'm going to make it on my own. Like, I don't need anyone else. And I think that... I think that would be really smart for his character because, you know, he just, he strikes me as a character who would just be like, no, I I can make it on my own. I feel like if he was going to be in a faction, it should be Suzuki's. That that makes sense to me. Like, chaos makes absolutely zero sense. Yeah. I thought that the bit on New Year's Dash with Jay White was probably the worst thing that happened between Wrestle Kingdom 12 and New Year's Dash. We just think about it from a logical storytelling point of view. It begins with Cody attacking Ibushi, right? Like, yes. that's how this starts. Omega runs in, saves Ibushi, and then Cody and Omega kind of, like, do the stare down, right. setting up an eventual match. Um, then uh, Bullet Club leaves. Kenny takes the mic, and he says, the only thing that can save Bullet Club, the only thing that will give us unity is Jay White. That just it makes no sense. Nowhere. It makes no sense for Kenny's character at no. all. Like, to say, like, oh, the only way we can have unity is to bring in this quote-unquote psychotic knife guy. Why would that help at all? So It doesn't make any sense. And it's clear that they just wanted to use Kenny to build up Jay White, but then they kind of swerved out of that. And it just also felt really weird after he had just had that altercation with Cody to then like, oh, we're just going to pivot into talking about Jay White. That made, it just didn't make logical sense to me in terms of storytelling. Well, and the worst thing that has ever happened to Omega is winning that United States Championship mm. because they only let him fight uh, non-Japanese wrestlers now. So you think of his main his his title defenses. It's it's um, Juice Robinson, it's Beretta, uh, it's uh, Jericho, and now it's going to be Jay White. And they're clearly setting up for Cody. I might have missed one in there at some point, but like that's I don't want to see him fight those guys. Generally, I would see him fight Cody. Yeah, I guess, but I you know that that match. Good match. Yeah, I think they would. I think it would be very much like a Bushi Cody handsome battle. I mean, this is like it would be like handsome battle part two. You're right, and I think Cody, or I'm sorry, I think Kenny can pull anyone into a good match. Yes. But I feel like he can't, unless he has another incredible worker with him, they can't get to that rarefied air that Omega Okada was. And we're missing time, because, I mean, I feel like he eventually will go to WWE as he gets, he's already 34. He's only four years younger than AJ Styles, which just seems impossible. Like, they seem generations apart. Uh, And I don't want him to go. I would love for him to just stay as long as he can. Um, 
So I feel like they're wasting some opportunities. Let's let's talk about New Year's Dash. We didn't talk about Goto Suzuki. I would say I, I thought that was a really thrilling match and really exceeded expectations as well. But you were getting pizza. So. I was getting pizza, <laughs> but I will say like Suzuki is. I, we talk about this all the time. He's like the one professional wrestler who actually seems legit scary because, as you say, he's got he looks like he's got that old man strength. Yeah, you know, just like all sinew, all power, and. Yeah, I would not. I would not want to piss him off. He's like Stu Hart. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and just kick your ass and and really enjoy it. The one thing I would say about hair matches, I love the concept of the hair match, but it's always disappointing because they're way too sweaty to get the razor to work, <laughs> and this happens every single hair match. So, if you watch it again, Suzuki's trying to shave the front part of his head, and it's just not working at all because his head is soaked with sweat. So he basically just shaves just a little off the back, and then walks out in shame and. You know, he basically has to do it off camera later when he's not sweating. But then when he came out at New Year's Dash for the reveal, if yeah. you remember that, he comes out with, you know, the cloth draped over his head. Very simple, very theatrical. And that, that reveal, oh, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. Yeah, it was a great moment. And New Year's Dash was so much fun. We should talk about, now New Year's Dash, I think, is, is really ridiculous and um, kind of over the top. And it's really there to set up stories moving forward. Yeah. So let's talk about... Some of the matches, it's set up for New Beginning mm-hmm. um, and how excited or not excited you are <laughs> for some of these. So uh, let's just start with um, Tanahashi Suzuki since we're already talking about Suzuki. So Tanahashi is clearly injured. I think they're going to use this to get the belt off of him and then uh, give him some time to heal because Suzuki's the perfect guy to sell that, like, oh, character-wise, he is he's really hurt now. Tanahashi needs to go away because yeah. he's been so brutally damaged. And I think a Suzuki... Uh, rain with that belt would be really, really I thrilling. think it's going to actually be really fun because I mean I don't know how old Suzuki is he looks he's up there I don't know maybe he's just had a hard life I don't know but again with that old man strength again like pitted against Tanahashi with just like he has that like such fresh face yeah. look yeah and so to have Suzuki like pummel him it is I mean yeah it's it's going to be a good match and um, I, I just like kind of seeing like older guys fight <laughs> you know how they should well it makes a lot yeah. more sense than Tanahashi fighting Jay White for whatever uh, reason it just came out of nowhere yeah it's the classic wrestling logic of uh, if you just go uh, beat up the champion when he's not looking you get a title shot which brings the whole kayfabe logic down of like well why doesn't everyone just go run out when any champion is giving a speech and beat the shit out of him right. to get a title shot yeah, I agree. I think this match is going to be uh, exciting and really fun on the card. I think you could up the stakes by having Tanahashi wearing his perm that he had yes. uh, a couple weeks ago. And then, like, if he loses, he has to shave the perm oh. and then give it to Suzuki. Oh. And then like, Suzuki... make a wig of his own hair? Would it? Yeah, could you do that? Uh, yeah, he might need to grow it out longer, you yeah. know. And then Suzuki has to wear Tanahashi's perm for, like, his title. It ring. would be, like, also a trophy. Yeah. I think that would really be terrific. So a perm versus... You should write to them with that idea, honey. <laughs> I have an idea, Geta. Uh, so I'm excited for that match, too. I would say one that I don't think many people are talking about that I think is going to be pretty good is Juice Robinson versus Kitamura. You love Kitamura. I just think he has a look that is really unique for NJPW. Is it pointy teeth? Yeah, it's the point. No, it's the muscles. The guy's massive. He is huge. He has an amateur background. He's like an amateur champion. Oh. Uh, he's older than the other young lions, so you can see they're putting the rocket on him because they don't have much time. Uh, I just think he has a look. It's a very WWE look, which yes. makes it look so different in NJPW. But he's also so tiny. He's like a real short guy, too. 
you know? So I don't know. I just think he is fun to watch. I think Juice Robinson, I go back and forth on yeah. how much I like him or not. But I think that this has the potential to be pretty good or just a botch fest, hashtag botch mania, like the Juice Robinson Omega matches where Juice can get a little sloppy, I think, in big moments. Mm-hmm. Are you So are you not excited for that at all if you're just like, oh, I'll God. watch it. I, I also go back and forth on how I feel about Juice, but I'm usually more in the, like, tepid range. But I don't know. I Maybe I just haven't been paying close enough attention. I like Juice more now that he's pivoted towards male Bailey, who just shouts out he his name a lot. He is like a male Bailey, yeah. So I like that angle on Juice. Uh, a match I'm totally not excited about at all, which shouldn't come as a surprise based on what we just said, is the Kenny J. White match. It just feels like Jay White's come out of nowhere. He hasn't really done anything in the ring that's been super exciting to me. If anyone's going to draw it out, it'll be Kenny. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll the match will be good because... Because Kenny is in it, and and I think what you said before is true that anyone working with Kenny, he can he can pull people up to his level. Um, but I we I just don't know if Jay is going to have that magic. He's pretty young, um, yeah. So I mean, I think this is going to be a great experience for him, but I I don't know that we're going to see fireworks. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. And again, I'm just I would like to see Kenny working with the Japanese wrestlers again instead of just. Every... I just want to see him fight Okada again. Like I know that I know that they've played that out. I know they have. They've probably used every trick in their bag. They're just so good together. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think Okada eventually he has to drop the belt? He's had it for over 500 days. Do you he think... will die with that belt. Oh God! I'm just kidding. I don't know. He is the he's slowly becoming the Roman Reigns of, of New Japan. Whoa! Um, careful. Well, I, I think Roman Reigns is a, is a pretty good worker. He's not great, but he's okay. Uh, Okada is obviously incredible. But do you think he's going to eventually drop the belt to Omega or Naito? I think it's definitely Naito. He has to drop the belt to Naito, although I'd be excited if he dropped it to Kenny. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy if it, if it went to either of them. I wish it had gone to Naito at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, that was, like, the perfect moment. And maybe it was too expected. Maybe that's why they didn't, you know, pull the trigger then. Yeah, and one thing I read, I think on Reddit, is that people are saying, like, well, if you put the belt on Naito, where does he go from there? You know, like, there's nowhere for him, there's no mountain for him to climb anymore. But I don't think that's true, because there's a lot of credible main event programs. Jericho could immediately be the first title defense. Then you also have Omega, Tanahashi, and Ibushi, and Cody. You know, so you have all those guys kind of, like floating around the main event picture and then you could always push up suzuki if you yeah. need to so there's a lot of guys and then of course you know in gobernable is if one of those guys like evil splits off then you have another main event you know so there's lots of ways you can go with him as the the champion um let's talk about naito so we we kind of briefly touched on this before but yoshihashi just so disappointed that just seems like such a big drop off on the card uh, i'm kind of surprised i feel like if yoshihashi is the best you can get for him don't give him a singles match there's three new beginning shows and there's not many singles matches on them it's mostly like the kind of njpw multi-tag stuff they do why not just i don't know just have ingobernables feuding with folks i think that makes a lot more sense because i mean they've done that before and i think it's so smart on some of those other kind of build-up shows where okay we're gonna protect our wrestlers we're going to have these like multi like giant tag matches and like i was saying before i think njpw is really successful at those kinds of matches so you know you're it's a way to get the stars out there to get the crowd excited 
But at the same time, they don't have to put their bodies as much on the line as they do in a singles match. Yeah, and if you are going to put him in a singles and it's not going to be high stakes like this, what about Toriano? Like, what oh about, like... God, yeah, just turn it, like, have fun with yeah. it. Because, I mean, I, I'm i not as familiar with Yoshihashi, I'll be totally honest. But I love Toriano. Oh, me too. I think he is great. I think he's really funny. I think that that's something else that NJPW does really well. They remember that yeah. professional wrestling is fun yeah. and that it can be funny. Physical comedy is... Like everyone, everyone can enjoy physical comedy. Everyone can yeah. enjoy a pratfall. I just love every time Yano's going. He's getting the cushioning off of the ring post. Like that's his move. That's his signature move. He's got his DVD. I love it. I love it so much. His match with Kenny was uh, one of the best matches of the year. Yeah. By far one of the best matches of the year. I think people who are not putting that on the level of some of Kenny's best matches last year are nuts. That Toriyanu uh, Kenny G one match. Go watch that again if you haven't seen that because it is hilarious. Um, <laughs> And their one from the previous year is also great. Uh, yeah, so Naito, we're a little disappointed, but obviously they're queuing up for a Jericho feud, which I, I imagine will really live up to. I think that's going to be really fun. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the match that might steal the entire three-night event. And my heart. Osprey, Takahashi. Yes. Cat match. The cat match. So for those of you who don't know, Takahashi's been running the storyline where he, he's trying to claim that Osprey is a cat. Insisting. Over Twitter, his fans are picking it up. They're all calling Osprey a cat. Osprey has even leaned into the joke wearing little, uh, you know, makeup of cat whiskers and nose to the ring and acting very cat-like here and there. I love cats, so uh, I'm a sucker for this. I love it. Um, I love Daryl, as, as we discussed, so I'm very much looking forward to this. And also, these two guys are just incredible wrestlers. Like, Osprey, yeah. super acrobatic. I think I honestly think Takahashi a little underrated as a wrestler. Oh, absolutely. He's a terrific worker. He is just fun to watch. Also, his entrance at Wrestle Kingdom 12, if we can talk about that for a second. Oh. He popped up from the floor. Um, it's great. And also... Whenever he just walks through the ring, he is just really sultry. It always just kind of looks like he is having sex with the air. It's incredible. He He's amazing. I love him. I thought the uh, junior match at Wrestle Kingdom was incredible. Yeah. Uh, all of their stocks, I think, rose with the exception of Kushida. I thought Kushida kind of got lost in the shuffle in that match. I think Kushida is secretly not the best of that bunch, I would say. He's probably the low man on that totem pole, which is a very high totem pole yeah, i would say i think he's consistent but i do think i mean osprey just has those acrobatics as does takahashi and i think squirrel just is like a really defined character and i love kushida's gimmick because it is just so unexpected it's crazy and really funny yeah but i think that when you try to connect that to actual storytelling in the ring it's a little harder to pull that off. Well, I would also say Marty Scroll really impressed me in that match. Yes. Where he really got over with me. Where When I, he breaks p the fingers, I don't know what he does to make that sound. If anyone knows, please tell me because it is horrifying. Yeah, it, it's a great little heel move. Mm -hmm. uh, his entrance is money. Like, he, he looks great out there. Yeah. And Osprey is incredible. That Osprey-Ricochet match from last year is just breathtaking. You know, you know the one I'm talking yeah, about, Yeah, I right? do. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. It's too bad Ricochet is gonna is gonna be debuting in WWE soon. He is not gonna be special anymore. No, I really hope that they don't just put him in 205 Live. Oh, they will. They pro they're probably going they to. They probably will. They're gonna bury him there. They should just have him come up and feud with Ballard, and and that would be a good. Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah, 
but they, I'm sure they won't. I'm <laughs> sure he'll be feuding with Enzo. <laughs> um, oh, okay, so one last thing. Okada Sonata. Yet another disappointment. I know that this... surprising. This is basically a B pay-per-view, like an equivalent for New Japan, so I understand that this is not that big of a show. Um, but I just don't really get the evil Sonata main event pushes. I know like it happened in storytelling-wise because evil, one, evil beat Okada at the G1, which nobody beats Okada, so that sets up the title defense. Uh, but I don't know. Like I, I'm not the biggest Sonata fan either. No. Yeah, I don't... I think he's got a great look. I like... I like the mask. But I... Beyond that, I sort of am like... Yeah, like, he's... He's good. But he doesn't... I never feel wowed. Which is, you know, kind of absurd. Because I do feel like if he were, say, in WWE, like, he would be huge. Yeah. Um. So I think that just speaks to the quality of NJPW and, and their people. But, again, I mean, I think Okada is also another wrestler who can bring his partners up to his level. Yeah. So I think there will be some fun storytelling. And I just I just really want Okada to turn heel eventually. He just he's got he's got the perfect vibe for it. Yeah. But I don't I, I don't know if it's gonna happen. Well and they teased it a lot during the road to Wrestle Kingdom when he kind of put um takahashi i think it was an ankle lock and he wouldn't let go after the bell was ringing and and naito had to run in to make the save maybe they'll do that here again but it it doesn't really make a lot of sense sonata is hard to kind of pull that on you know because sonata looks just so much like a heel anyway right i would say also like out of all the ingobernables which is a faction i totally love the most exciting faction right now in wrestling i would say (laughs) you're laughing but it's true um He's it's the one really I like. Good marketing copy. You're welcome. Uh, he's the one I like the least out of all five of those guys. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? If you had to rank them, would you say he's like the one I'm? I'm least excited to see a Sonata match. Yeah, and maybe this just speaks to like I'm not paying close enough attention, but I feel like I couldn't really describe his style. Yeah. Um, but again, that could just be on me zoning out here and there. Well, I like when he wraps up people in that pretzel and then kicks their ass. That's pretty funny. Oh, and then they can't get yeah. out of that pretzel, which is really stretching kayfabe just a I love little it. too much. Oh, not for me. I wish he'd just <laughs> do it every match. Okay, well, I think that was a pretty good episode, Teresa. I think that was a good for first For our first attempt. one, yeah, okay. So we'll be back. We'll probably be talking. Um, we'll do another episode uh, during New Beginning or after New Beginning because yeah. it's over three nights. So we'll figure out when there's enough to talk about to do a new episode. We'll probably be releasing these after every big event. Yeah. Uh, so we'll probably skip some of the Road 2 shows, the Cork and Hall unless shows. Unless they're really exciting. Yeah, unless there is some massive development, which we must cover. Uh, Teresa, before we go, you want to tell anything to the people? Just, you know, love your Daryls. Thank you.